the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. I'd like to uh, welcome, of course, uh, you who are joining us right now. This is Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and this is part two of our uh, uh, Facebook live stream that I'm doing here in studios with our dear brother, David Woodward. We've been talking about a brand new video series that we have just, uh, uh, we're still recording, I should say, and we'll be launching. It's called Islam and Atheism. At least that's the tentatively the name that we have chosen, but we've been going through it video by video, episode by episode, and picking on uh, moral examples or behaviors by Muhammad, the founder of Islam or the prophet of Islam. I, I insist he's the founder of Islam. I know some Muslims are going to get upset with me for using this term, but that's the case. He is the one who claimed to have seen a spirit appearing to him. He's the one without any uh, eye- eyewitness to collaborate that claiming uh, to be a prophet sent by God and the seal of the prophets and the list can go on and on and on. Nevertheless, we are doing this because there is a trend that is happening right now in the Middle East uh, in particular, where many young Muslims are declaring themselves to be atheists and leaving Islam. One of those uh, reasons why they decided to do this is that they're troubled by the behavior of Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, as they should. But we are trying to reason with them that there is an alternative, and that's not atheism, of course. That's Christ, our Lord. Mm -hmm. David, welcome back, brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were given some great examples, of course, about Muhammad and his behavior, for instance, when it came to adoption Mm -hmm. and uh, and nullifying adoption by taking the wife of his adopted son as if that's the only way the God who is an Mm -hmm. all-knowing and all-powerful can do something like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any other examples? Of course, if you want to continue to elaborate on the story of Zaid and Zainab, of course. Uh, we can give plenty of examples, but uh, you, you got a, a quick, quick, easy question here. Um, should we address that, or you want? Yeah, to sure, on? sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, George John said, "How Muhammad got influenced by early Christian heresies? So, how was Muhammad influenced by early Christian heresies? Um, we kind of have a pretty good idea of that. Um, there was a Roman emperor." Uh, I believe it was Justinian who expelled heretics, so people with heretical beliefs, from the Roman Empire. And many of those people who were expelled from the Roman Empire went to Arabia to live, right? Um, So we know that uh, we know that Muhammad, many of the Christians that Muhammad would have met uh, during his travels, so keep in mind, Muhammad's a caravan, a caravan trader early on. So he's traveling and so on and interacting with uh, with various people. And this is before Netflix. This is before television, movies. Um, to keep themselves entertained, people would gather around and, and tell stories and so on. So, uh, you know, the Christian would tell Christian stories and so on. The heretical Christian would tell heretical Christian stories from heretical sources and so on. And so this is where Muhammad picked up a ton of his uh, ton of stories. Uh, but also, I mean, he, he had, uh, you know, he had uh, 
you know, a slave girl, a sex slave, Mary the Copt, who probably would have read him bedtime stories and things like that. But there are basically all kinds of all kinds of uh, sources for him to um, for him to learn about these uh, heretical Christian Christian stories. And and for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, um, when you open the Quran. Uh, you find stories about, you know, Jesus speaking at birth. So he's born and then he immediately starts, uh, he immediately starts talking or Jesus giving life to clay birds, things like that. We find these kinds of stories in the Quran, but we know where they come from and they don't come from, they don't come from the Bible. They don't come from any first century source. They come from later sources, often heretical sources. And we know where these, we know where they came from. They came from Arabia. Muhammad simply couldn't tell the difference between a revelation from God and just some story, some bedtime story that, that people would tell. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hopefully this answered your question, George. Um, give us another example, another moral example. Obviously, I mean, I'm asking David, you know, uh, not that I don't know about these stories, mm-hmm. but uh, for the benefit of the dialogue. And also, I want to bless uh, mm-hmm. our brother's ministry here. So what is, what is another uh, example, moral example that Muhammad used? Uh, wife beating. So um, lots of Muslims um, are familiar because people like us keep bringing it up. That in, according to Surah 4, verse 34 of the Quran, if a, uh, if, a, if a man fears, even fears that his wife is going to rebel against him, then he, can, he warns her and then banishes her to a separate bed and then he beats her. He beats her into submission. Um, but your average Muslim is going to be so horrified by this teaching that he's going to reinterpret it. And so that's why you'll find Muslim apologists will say, no, this just means tapping them with a toothbrush. That's, that's, that's all this means. Um, so they'll reinterpret it. The problem is we know from the Muslim sources what this, what this refers to. Um, and and we, even have, we even have in the Muslim sources, we have in, in Sahih al-Bukhari, for instance, uh, a Muslim man beating his wife until her skin turned green. Right. And then Muhammad condemns the woman and justifies the man. And so... Wait, wait, wait. Can we repeat this again? Mm-hmm. Muhammad, mm-hmm. who supposedly uh, brought Islam that elevated the status of woman, right? You know, mm-hmm. and gave woman more yep. freedom and rights. Yeah. Did what exactly when the woman complained? Yeah, and uh, it, it actually it actually gets worse for, for people who want to uh, uh, claim that Muhammad elevated the status of women. Because in that same hadith, when this man had beaten his wife until her skin turned green, she goes to Aisha for some help. So Muhammad's child bride. And Muhammad's child bride and this, uh, this woman who'd been beaten till her skin turns green goes to Muhammad and looking for justice. And Aisha says, I have not seen any woman suffering as much as the believing women. Women in general, you know, yeah. she's talking in plural, not one. Yeah. So the believing women, meaning Muslim women, uh, and she says, I've not seen any woman suffering more than the believing women. So notice, I have not seen one single pagan woman who suffers as much as the Muslim women in general. So the, the Jewish women weren't being treated like this. The pagan women weren't being treated like this. Christian women weren't being treated like this. No one was being treated as horribly by their husbands as Muslim women. Well, why? Well, the Muslim women were unique in that their God gave them a revelation saying that men can beat their wives into submission. And so Muhammad's followers were doing that, even beating their wives until their skin turned green. They come to Muhammad for, for justice. Muhammad finds out that she'd been saying mean things about her husband. And so Muhammad condemned her and justified the man for beating his wife until her skin turned green. And so the idea is, you know, lots of Muslims would recognize that as wrong. Atheists who have left Islam would recognize that as, as wrong. And so the question is, on, on what basis is it, is it wrong to beat your wife? And those, those are the kinds of things we've been exploring. Yep. 
So, uh, again, uh, we'd like to welcome you to Let Us Reason. This is Al-Fadi, and with me here in studio is uh, Dr. David Woodwin. We're talking about um, different examples from the moral behavior of Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, and the reason why we're bringing it up, because the topic itself of this series has to do with Islam and atheism. And we chose this because many young Muslim men and women, especially in the Middle East, are leaving Islam, declaring themselves to be atheists, and they're using examples like this, the moral behavior of the prophet of Islam, as something they're troubled by and they feel like they want nothing to do with religion. We're trying to help them realize that even atheism does not solve this problem. Well, um, let's see if there is any um, other questions. So Jennifer Graves keep asking us to recite, uh, uh, cite, I should say, uh, give reference to the hadith. Jennifer, by the way, someone gave you already a website that you can go to called sunnah.com. That's your, that's your friend right there. Uh, you can also go to Answering Islam, answering-islam.org, uh, and in there you can just go to the topic of women, or you can Google wife beating and things like that, and you come across a lot of these references. All of the stories that we're sharing is available online. It's very easy to Google these days. However, would you like to give uh, some of these references, brother? Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm pulling it up on... Uh, I'm pulling it up on... Uh, and you can I'm really, pulling it up on Sunnah.com right now. Yeah, uh, and you matter of fact... Huh? Oh, good. Go ahead. And Jennifer, can, you can watch those as well in the future in this series that we'll be releasing called Islam and Atheism. But go ahead, brother. Yeah, so uh, if you type in Sahih al-Bukhari... 5825, 5825, uh, you should be able to get it to come up on, on, on sunnah.com. Um, but yeah, so it's 5825. Yeah. She can read the entire passage, and I would recommend reading it very carefully. So uh, direct and, quote here, Aisha said, I have not seen any woman suffering as much as the believing women. Look, her skin is greener than her clothes. This woman had, this woman had a green veil on. Uh, the woman who's, whose skin been beaten, uh, who, who, who'd been beaten until her skin turned green, Aisha said, her skin's greener than her clothes. She's wearing green, but her skin's actually greener than her clothes from her husband beating her. And Muhammad, Muhammad condemns the woman instead yeah. of the man. And Jennifer, by the way, I remember you said also that it's your friends who are asking uh, you for reference. I'm assuming your friends are Muslim. Uh, believe it or not, uh, uh, you know, Muslims are amazingly able to Google everything about the Bible, but somehow they're deficient when it comes to the idea of Googling things about their own faith. So, um, you know, go figure, right? You know, so anyway, uh, so here is the references. A lot of uh, our friends here and team members are sharing that with you as well. Uh, let's see if there's any other questions here uh, that we can address. There's a question by Tony. Tony is saying uh, the Quran mentions how the successors of Jesus would be victorious. Uh, wouldn't this extend to Paul too? Absolutely. Of course, if you want to elaborate on that. And by the way, Sam Shamon wrote an extensive article uh, regarding this particular reference as well. Uh, yeah, and interestingly, I mean, the, the, the early Muslims, the early Muslim commentators even included Paul. Exactly. Uh, on the list of the people who, who were sent uh, by Jesus into, into various uh, parts of the world. Um, so Muslims recognize this because you have in the Quran, uh, one, that Allah is going to protect Jesus' followers until the day of resurrection, which doesn't make any sense if, they're, if they're, uh, their message was immediately corrupted and then, you know, they, they lost their message because of the Apostle Paul or, you know, the Council of Nicaea, whatever Muslims want to say. Allah says he's going to protect them until the day of resurrection. But also in the Quran, Allah says that he uh, aided the true followers of Jesus until they became uppermost over their enemies. So he helped the true followers of Jesus until they became, this is uh, Surah 61, verse 14. 
Allah helped the true followers of Jesus until they became uppermost over their enemies. And you can go to a Muslim commentary like uh, Yusuf Ali's commentary. So if you get the, the most, probably the most common uh, translation in the mm-hmm. West is Yusuf Ali's uh, translation of the Quran. But he has commentaries. And his commentary on Surah 61, verse 14, when Allah says that he aided the true followers of Jesus until they became uppermost over the, over the people who rejected Jesus, he says this refers to Christianity permeating the Roman Empire and taking over the Roman Empire. But there's a problem here, right? We know we, Christianity took over the Roman Empire in the 4th century, right? We know what the Christian message was in the 4th century, right? It was Jesus is the divine Son of God who died on the cross for sins and rose from the dead, and God is a trinity. That's the message of Christianity, right? Right. That took over the Roman Empire. So put, let's put all of this together. We know that they're proclaiming Jesus' death, resurrection, and deity in the 4th century. And Allah says he's the one who helped the true Christians, the true followers of Jesus, take over and become prominent. Well, well, guess what? If you're saying that's a false Christianity, then you're telling us that Allah helped the wrong guys. Allah got the wrong people, right? He's, he's looking around and he's saying, hey, all these people are in disagreement over Jesus. Let me help the true ones and make them take over the Roman Empire. And then he, so he does it, and then, oops, they, they, you know, they're, they're Trinitarian Christians who believe in the death, resurrection, and deity. Oops, I got the wrong ones. I meant to get those other guys who are devout Muslims. Right. So, yeah, uh, Muslims, just have a, Muslims just have a problem right here. Yeah, and I did an entire, by the way, Facebook Live uh, on referencing many of these commentaries from uh, Quranic passages and renowned Islamic scholars. And I also did a two-part series just recently, uh, I believe in December, uh, and we released it also recently with uh, Sam Shamoun, and we showed also many of the Islamic scholars, early Islamic scholars, commentators, had no problem with Paul. They actually quoted him as a messenger was sent by Jesus himself. Uh, so I encourage all of you to go ahead and watch those. So, uh, brother, what else uh, in relationship to this movement uh, that uh, ex-Muslims are becoming atheists? What would you like to to say more about that? You know, just in general. Well, we we talk we we talk a lot about. Uh you know, Muhammad's issues with women and so on. Um, but really, the, the, the main concern, probably the main concern, the main concern for ex-Muslims who are now atheists should be Muhammad's commands about killing apostates, right? Kind of makes sense. That's right. Um, Muhammad ordered his followers to execute people who leave Islam. So let me read a couple of passages real quick. Um, Sahih al-Bukhari 69.22. Allah's messenger said, whoever changed his Islamic religion, kill him. Doesn't get more straightforward than that. Whoever changed his Islamic religion, kill him. Sunan Ibn Majah 25.35 was narrated from Ibn Abbas that the Messenger of Allah said, whoever changes his religion, execute him. Amen. <laughs> Al-Muwatta of Imam Malik 36.18.15, Yahya related to me from Malik from Zayd that the Messenger of Allah said, if someone changes his religion, strike off his head. So the penalty for leaving Islam, according to Muhammad, is deaf by beheading, which should be a concern to ex-Muslims who are now atheists, and uh, it, it should be a concern for it should be a concern for Muslims who believe, you know, in freedom of choice and freedom of decision and freedom of religion and freedom of conscience and basic human rights. It should be a problem for for Muslims, but for people who have a problem with that and then become atheists, they're they're technically under a a death sentence. And so that's kind of a big issue. But, you know, so obviously, obviously atheists would want to say that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. 
But how do you actually say that, what, you shouldn't kill? I mean, it's immoral to kill? Animals kill each other all the time, right? They kill each other left and right. So what exactly is going on here? We're, we're, the, pro- the problem is always one of justification. You, if you make a, a claim and say you have a moral obligation to do this or you have a moral obligation not to do that, the question is where are you getting that from? Um, are, you, are you just telling us what you think? Are you just telling us what your society tells you? Are you just telling what you know your, your era of history says is right and wrong? Because lots of things change from place to place and from time to time. And so right. what are you saying about this, about this claim? If you're saying that there is something objectively morally wrong about what is happening here, we're interested in how you reconcile that uh, with, with your, your lack of belief in any sort of moral standard that, that would go beyond humanity. And just, just to be clear, even though right now we're just talking and it's just me and, 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 and Al-Fadi here and those of you in the, in the chat, um, I do have two debates coming up with atheists on, on these topics. Uh, on Would you like to share more about when and how can people can watch those uh, uh, yeah, either the, live the, uh, or later? Yeah, this, uh, this weekend, um, Sunday, I believe at 3 o'clock, I'm not sure which time zone that is, I'm having a debate with a Christian pastor on whether it's acceptable. Uh, the main idea is whether I should be mocking Muhammad and, and so on in, in, the, in, in the way I do. And so, but, so we're going to talk about whether it's uh, whether Christians are allowed to mock and criticize unbelievers and things like that. Uh, but but I'm, I'll be focusing on, on Muhammad. And so we get, we've got a debate on that because he disagrees with, uh, with my approach. And then the following day, which is Monday, I'll be debating an atheist named Matt Dillahunty on uh, something like the topic we're talking about right now. It's like something like God versus secular humanism, which is a better foundation for uh, morality or something like that. And then after that, um, I'm friends with uh, a guy, Ridvan, who calls himself the apostate prophet, who's an ex-Muslim, who is an atheist. And we're actually going to be debating this as well. We're going to be debating, uh, you know, the sort of foundation of morality, uh, atheism or theism, which makes more sense. And so debate's coming up on this in case you want to know how atheists are, are going to respond to this. Okay. Let's look at uh, Heba Al-Azhar. Uh, uh, hello, by the way, uh, Heba. And she said hello to you. She's saying, David, what do you think about the Sufi Muslims? I'm taking class. Uh, let, let's let's uh, bring it back again, guys. Okay, I'm. Um, okay, here here you go. Um, uh, <laughs> lower it down. Yes, right there. I am taking class. Uh, just like right there is fine. I'm taking class about Islamic mysticism. Uh, they interpret the Quran in very different way. I would like to know what do you think about them? I mean, I'll let you uh, start first. Well, yeah, it's just. Uh for everyone who doesn't know this, this uh, Sufis are the sort of mystical wing of Islam. They, they're more inclined to think that you can kind of have a relationship with the divine. It's than, almost like Gnostics. Yeah, than, than, than yeah. Sunnis or, or Shias would be comfortable saying. Um, my, I mean, on the one hand, you'd want to say, well, it's good that you believe you can actually have, you know, some sort of relationship with God. Just why, how, are you, how do you think you're getting that for through Islam? Because then, then that comes to the problem I would bring up, namely... Sufism doesn't sound anything like what we read in the Muslim sources, right? Um, you know, Sunni Islam, uh, specifically, uh, specifically, you know, uh, Salafi 
Islam is what the Muslim sources actually sound like. If you were to read the Muslim sources and say, what kind of is, who in the modern world sort of lines up with what the Muslim sources say? I'd probably say Salafi Muslims. That, that's, what, that's what the sources sound like. Exactly. And so the, the sort of Sufi wing of Islam shows that there are just always going to be lots of people who aren't satisfied with that. They strive for something more. Problem is, you're not getting that through Islam. You've got to get that somewhere else. And I, I have a recommendation where they could actually get a relationship with God if they're interested. Yes, and then I want to just add one more thing. Um, regardless uh, of uh, how the Sufis think, and, and we admire really the fact that they're peaceful, just like the Ahmadiyya Muslim where Nabil came from, uh, at the end of the day, they're being harassed and oppressed by the mainstream Islam. They're considered to be heretics, by the way. And also, that doesn't mean that they are saved and doesn't mean that they are going to heaven. That doesn't mean that they know the truth. Uh, so so this is uh, basically the reality of things. I want to, uh, there is a comment I want to address, uh, Alina uh, Voronenko. Uh, I apologize if I uh, butchered your last name. It says, my guy friend is a Christian, but his father is practicing Muslim. My friend said he grew up in the Catholic Church, and then he became a non-denominational Christian. How does that work with a Muslim father? Let me just say, I, I pray that he's a born-again Christian, of course. I commend him for making such a huge stance as far as his father is concerned. If his father wants to follow what Islam teaches, I don't know anything about his father. Maybe his father is an open-minded person. But if his father wants to follow the mainstream teaching of Islam, then his son is an apostate. That's basically how he will view his son. Anything else you want to elaborate on that? Uh well, yeah, she said he grew up as a he grew up as a Catholic. So Possibly if, his if mother, I, yeah, maybe. If, if I if I if I had to guess, if I had to guess, I would say, um, because I just because I've seen this over and over again. I, if I had to guess, I would say, um, Muslim man married a Catholic woman, had a son, and then they got divorced, and the son grew up with his mom and became a Catholic and eventually became a non-denominational Christian. I would guess, I would guess that's how it's happened. Um, the, the, other, the other possibility would be the, the, the father converted at some point, converted to Islam at some point um, from Catholicism or something like that. But uh, yeah, th- those, those things are, the, the former would be, would be fairly common. Over and over again, we see um, Muslim men marrying non-Muslim women and then things don't work out and then they get divorced and then the, the child's kind of stuck in the middle. So Okay. We'll get to Tony's question, but quickly, George uh, uh, George John, that we just answered right now, is saying, what made you an apologist, Islamic apologist? I mean, how, how did you get fascinated by Islam? Um, I mean, gosh, I would rather be doing almost anything than studying Islam. Um, you read the Muslim sources, you just want to go take a bath afterwards. It's disgusting. You just, you just offended me right now because I was a Muslim when you were thinking this way. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, I, I, had a, I had a Muslim friend before I was friends with Nabil. And uh, so had a lot of conversations with him. And so um, had a lot of conversations about Islam, but really didn't didn't study the Muslim sources. I read a little bit of the Quran when I had that 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 Muslim friend. Um, then I became friends with Nabil Qureshi in college and in college with Nabil. Uh, he's actually giving presentations on, you know, Muhammad's miraculous scientific insights and Muhammad's the greatest man ever. So this kind of forced me to go to the Muslim sources forced me to go to the Muslim sources and start reading Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim and Ibn Ishaq and so on. And so I started going through the sources, but at that time, it wasn't because I was terribly interested in Islam. It was just because my best friend was a Muslim. Eventually, my best friend became a Christian. And so once he was a Christian, when Nabil became a Christian, I actually thought, cool, I'm done with Islam. 
because that was the only reason I was studying Islam. Uh, but after that, I kind of realized, uh, no, there just aren't a lot of apologists dealing with Islam. Almost every apologist, once he decides he wants to do something, decides to go after atheism. And I realized there are, gosh, I could name, I could count on like, on like four fingers the number of, apolo- of, of apologists who are dealing with Islam that I could think of. And so I thought, if you've got, you know, over a fifth of the world's population and there's only a handful of people, of apologists dealing with it, maybe we need some more apologists. So that was a point when it's like, hey, it doesn't really matter if this is what I'm interested in or this is what I like to read. Uh, people need to be dealing with this. And so. Yep. Well, yep. we're glad to have you on our side, of course. Uh, in my case, uh, just given the fact that uh, my background uh, was Islam, I've always been fascinated by, of course, the faith. But then the Lord brought me into the path of the likes of David Wood, Sam Shimon, and uh, Jay Smith. Uh, and and I began to feel like the Lord is calling me into that field as well. So we're thankful to, to be uh, on the same team. Uh, I want to wrap up, of course, our Let Us Reason. Again, thank you so much for those of you who joined us in this special podcast of Let Us Reason. We are doing at the same time a Facebook live stream right now. You can always go and watch this show actually on video if you want to go and visit us on our uh, Facebook page, alfadi.sira. And uh, you can watch it later on our YouTube channel, Sira International. Uh, and we can even listen to this or previous uh, archived podcast on our uh, basically website, sirainternational.com. We want to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sira International. And uh, we uh, prayerfully ask you to consider to becoming a Patreon patron as well and give to this media ministry as little as uh, $1 and as much as the Lord put in your heart. Same thing, uh, also, I would like to encourage you to visit our dear brother's um, basically YouTube channel, Acts 17 Apologetics, and you can do the same as well in his website. Thank you again for joining us in this special uh, podcast and uh, hope to connect with you again next time. Thank you and God bless.